Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1. And I want to speak to you today from, from Jonah, one of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. But certainly what he had to say and the lessons of Jonah are not minor by any, you know, they, they're, they're powerful. They're major lessons. So now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship down to going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a, a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the, ca the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise and call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for, whom, for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What's your occupation and where do you come from and what's your country and what, of, what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, and the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord, and they said, We pray, O Lord, Please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the man feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord. And they took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Now I want to talk to you today, and the title of my message is, Don't Turn Your Assignment Into an Argument. Amen. Don't turn your assignment into an argument. Now most of us are familiar with the story of Jonah. We've all heard about this reluctant prophet and how he ended up in, in the belly of the the big fish, we don't know who, what kind of fish it was, maybe a whale, I, I don't know. However, the, the book of Jonah is not so much about the big fish. It's only mentioned four times. It's not about even the disobedient prophet or, how, or, or about the big city of Nineveh. But it's mostly about God himself. And in this 
In this short book of four chapters, God is mentioned 37 times. In actual fact, the, the, the Bible is made up of 66 books, but they all tell one and the same story, the story of God and the story of God's love for us. And, uh, and um, right here in, in the book of Job, chapter 4 and verse 2, it says, God is revealed as a gracious and merciful, merciful God, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. This is a, a revelation of really who God is. Now, sharing the love of God is the assignment of His people. And it is, it is the assignment that was given to this man. Because God is not out to destroy. God is out to get people to a place where they will repent and turn to Him so that He will relent. Amen. So, I, I, want, to, I want to see you to, with you today that, that Jonah was someone that turned his assignment into an argument. So let's start in verse 1. Verse 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, and saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. I want you to know something, that, that God is not indifferent towards wickedness, and God is not indifferent towards sin. Just because God made a way for people to be saved, and just because God is a God of grace, doesn't mean that God is okay with sin, that God is okay with injustice, that God is okay with wickedness. In actual fact, you know, that wickedness had come up before God. God was not okay with it. Amen. And the way God went about to solve the wickedness was to bring these people to a place of repentance so that as they repented, they would turn away from their wickedness and wickedness would cease. Now, one of the things that we learn from this book is that God's intention is always to awaken sinners to repentance. There are two very important words in this passage. One is the word arise and the other one is the word go. Arise is such an important word. It means to be awakened. It means to be standing upright. It means to be in a, to be in a posture of, of alertness rather than in, in a posture of, um, of just kind of like, you know, when I first came to this part of the world, I used to hear the, uh, the, the expression, she'll be right, mate. <laughs> she'll be right, mate. You know? And I understood that it is an expression that describes sort of a state of mind of really, I don't care, you know. <laughs> She'll be right, you know, things will sort themselves out, all of that. But you know what? God wants you to be alert. God wants you to arise. God wants you to be standing up. God wants you to be engaged. God wants you to be ready. Amen. God wants you to be in a state of alertness. Amen. Arise, you know, nine times in the book of Acts, we find the word arise, always connected with a sense of urgency. Because it is urgent, the purposes of God. There's an urgency about the purposes of God. And nine times in the book of Acts, it says, arise. And uh, the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, verse 14 says, it says, arise. Therefore, he says, God says, awake you who sleep and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give you light. Array, awake, O sleeper, uh, and, and, um, and arise from the dead. Because if someone who sleeps... It's as good as dead. You know, they, it, it, but someone who's alert, someone who's 
standing up straight, someone who's getting ready to engage, then he can be used for the purposes of God. Amen, Amen church? Now, right here in the book of Jonah, verse 5 and 6, it says, But Jonah had, co- had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship. They had lay down and was, had, was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. I mean, even this unbeliever, this pagan man, it's like it's not good for a godly man to be asleep and to be and not to arise. And called him a sleeper. Sleeper arise, call in your God. How sad if the world would find us asleep, if the world would find us uh, uh, indifferent, if the world would find us disengaged, if the world would find us inactive, if the world would find us hiding at the bottom of the ship, just hiding in our little church and, and happy with just what happens within these four walls. You know how sad it would be. Amen. But God is saying something else to us this morning. Amen. God is saying, arise. God is saying, you know, be alert. And God is saying, come on, engage. And God is saying, do something. Amen. Do something. Um, What I find amazing about the story of Jonah is how could a man who heard from God, who qualified to be in a position of a prophet, who for sure had a track record of listening to God and, and walking with God, how could he end up? in a place like Joppa? How could he end up in a place of indifference? How could he end up in a place where he didn't care anymore? How could he end up in a place where he wanted to run away from the presence of God? As you know, I, I have that same question myself sometimes about people that I, that I once saw on fire for God, wouldn't miss a service, wouldn't, I mean, come hell rain or hell rain or shout, whatever. They were in the house of God. They were the first ones to prophesy and speak in tongues and, you know, shabba But... <laughs> Their hearts have grown cold, and they're not there. They're not there. They're not there in the place where, where, where once they were with God. They've drifted away. They, their hearts have become cold. They, once they were alive and alert, but now they've gone asleep. But you know what? A church that is asleep is a church that is ineffective as far as the purposes of God. Amen? So the Bible says, you know, awake, you are sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall make light upon you. Amen? So... I, I, I don't know. But the word, second word in this text is the word go. <laughs> it's a word that implies action. And this word is at the heart, is at the heart of, it's of the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Only one time, God never even said stay. God said, wait. He said, wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. As far as God is concerned, He wants His people going somewhere, doing something for Him. Amen. Demolishing strongholds, pulling down the works of darkness, proclaiming the gospel to people. Amen. Telling them about the love of God. Amen. Now, the word is go. He said, that's what God said to Gideon. Go in his might of yours. Then in Judges chapter 6, go in his might of yours and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. God is a God that's always saying to us, go. In chapter 3 of Jonah, in verse 1 and 3, we find, we find these words. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. God is insistent about some things. And he came a second time saying, arise, go. <laughs> I don't think he got it the first time. And he didn't get it the second time. 
And, and, and reluctantly, you know, he went. But, but it says, arise, go, go to Nineveh, the great city, and preach to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. You know, God is always, seems to always be telling us to go. Could it be that within our fallen human nature, there is a propensity to probably go always with the easier route on, or maybe just kind of just stay rather than going, just, just to choose to be passive rather than active. That's why God is always stirring us up and saying, go. That's why God told me this morning, you know, to come here and tell all of us, go, amen. Arise, go. Come on, let's get something done for Jesus. Let's tell the world, amen, the love of God. Let's go. Let's be people that when we go to work tomorrow, we don't just go to work. We got to tell somebody, some of our colleagues about Jesus. Go. Arise and go. But you know what? The Bible says there that he arose and he fled. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, but, but Jonah arose, yes he did, but to flee. To flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa. And, and he, he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare. He invested. He put money in it. And went down to it to go with, the, with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Tarshish is probably, scholars say that it's, it's probably the eastern side of, of Spain. So the furthest place where he could go in the known world of the time. That's where he paid the fare. To go, it must have been a lot of money because it was a long distance place. So, you know, in this story, God used the big fish. If you read the whole book, God used a plant. God used a worm. You know, nature readily obeyed the voice of God. But isn't it interesting that his prophet disobeyed the voice of God, resisted the voice of God, turned his assignment into an argument. Thank God for an obedient whale, but what about this disobedient man? You know, the God of creation, he can use a storm, he can use a fish, he can use a worm, he can use a plant to preach, but he really likes to use a person to proclaim his gospel. <laughs> Amen. You are his preferred option. Amen. You are his preferred option. There was one time that God even said, well, I can raise praise even from the stones. I mean, I can make them cry out. But hey, my preferred option is to use people of flesh and bone that will cry out to God and worship God and, and will cry out to people and communicate the gospel to people. Yes. Amen. Yes. The God of creation. I mean, he can use a storm. He can use anything to speak. But God is actually relying on you. That's his preference. That's his first option that you would speak, that you and I would be his vehicles his instruments in his hands to communicate his love to a dying world. You know, Jonah's goal was to run in the opposite direction of God's will. To run to a place where he couldn't find the, the voice of God, the presence of God. I don't know what kind of idea he had of God. He probably thought that God was local, that God was a territorial God of the Israelites. But you see, God is the God of all earth. Amen. And he thought, well, if I leave the territory of Israel and I make my way to the ends of the earth, you know, maybe over there, I can't hear his voice. Why? What was it about the presence of God? I love the presence of God. We just worship. Don't you love the presence of God? Why would he three times say that he wants to run from the presence of God? Because the presence of God is wonderful and powerful and beautiful that it is. 
It is also a place where God speaks to us. It is also the place where the Spirit convicts. It is also the place where God insists. Amen. It is the place where God speaks. And God's not always going to speak things we want to hear. Sometimes He's going to speak things that probably are going to put us a bit uncomfortable. It's like, you know, speak to that guy about Jesus. Oh, Lord, choose someone else. It's you. <laughs> Amen. And so, you know, and that's all because God loves God loves, and that's why he keeps knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He stands at the door and he knocks. And, and, and he knocks, and, and, he, and he knocks because he loves. And, and he insists because he loves. And, and he convicts because he loves. Amen. And, and uh, I have a friend that I, I was at his place, a friend of ours in South Africa, and uh, one day his son came into the house, he came a bit late and said, Dad, pray, stop praying for me. He said, why, son? He said, because I can't have any fun. <laughs> I go to the club and I, I know you're praying for me and I just, I just feel all weird. And I go to this other place and I feel all weird. And wherever I go, I know you are praying for me. Stop praying for me. I tell you what, you can go to the club, you can go to whatever you want to go. You know what? God will still chase you. God will still keep on knocking. God will keep on insisting. God will keep on convicting. You know why? Because God loves. Because God loves. And eventually, thank God he came to the Lord and uh, he today still follows the Lord. Amen. Aren't you glad that God's like that? Hallelujah. Psalm 139, verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? And where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Well, Jonah made his bed in, in the lowest part of the ship. In actual fact, the word hell, is, it means the lowest parts of the earth. It's like, you know, whatever you can... It says, where can I go? You cannot, you cannot run away from the presence of God. My friend's son, he was making his bed in hell. He was sleeping in strange beds and going to strange places. But even there, the voice of the Lord was there speaking to him. Maybe you've got children that are not walking with the Lord. Just keep praying for them. Just keep praying for them. Just keep knocking. Just keep insisting because I believe the Holy Spirit is going to be right there talking to them. And they're not going to have any fun until they find Jesus. Hallelujah. Maybe you've spoken to some people about the Lord. Just, just, just go like, come on, Lord. Just keep knocking at that door. Just keep speaking. Keep insisting. And He will. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give up on us? So, you know, the presence of God, as wonderful as it was, was also convicting. And he thought, well, I've got, to, I've got to shake this thing off of my life. I've got to go somewhere as far as I can so that I don't hear this voice, that I'm not disturbed by God anymore. But you see, God was on his case. Because God had 120,000 people in the city of Nineveh that he wanted to reach. And I think it's kind of crazy. He's probably the only preacher that I know that was offered a pulpit to preach to 120,000 people and turned that invitation down. I mean, that is the dream of any evangelist, to go to a place and have 120,000 people and have guaranteed 120,000 decisions. I think Jonah is the only evangelist that turned that one down. How did he end up like that? How do people end up in a place where they become numb 
where they become uh, indifferent, lethargic, where they would rather go to sleep than rather go to than go to preach. They'd rather abandon what God has called them to do, to go and have a nap and go somewhere else. Arise, go, go to Nineveh, that great city. Verse 3, and he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, and he paid the fare. Come on, Jonah's objection to the plan of God was so intense that he did not even consider the cost. He paid the fare, invested in his bitterness, invested in his disobedience. The prejudice that he carried against the pagan Assyrians was so much that, you know what, he, he could not believe that God would want to save those horrible pagan Gentiles. Well, thank God for Israel, but God loves the whole world and God wants the whole world to be saved. Amen. Thank God for the nice people that come to church with nice Sunday clothes. But God wants the guy that's under the bridge down, you know, uh, somewhere in the city or, or whatever. People that don't look like you or me, but, but God loves everybody and God wants everybody to be saved. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I remember the first church we passed. Some people, there, there were drug addicts that started coming to church. Now some people got to be disturbed. They moved three chairs you know, they started this distancing thing. I saw it happen, you know, many years ago. They said, we've become a church of drug addicts. Well, that, wouldn't that be wonderful if every church would be filled with people that need Jesus, regardless of their condition, amen? And I know some of those guys hadn't had a shower since the last rain and all of that kind of stuff, and they would still pop out to have a smoke in between the service, but at least they were coming to the presence of God, and God was saving them, God was setting them free, and their friend, their families were coming to Christ. Come on, is that good news or what? Amen, come on, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wish I had time to just really even finish this message. <laughs> but, but just bear with me a few more minutes. But in Acts chapter 10, God had to deal with the same prejudice in the heart of, of Peter. God wants, God wants Peter to preach the gospel to Cornelius. Who's Cornelius? Cornelius is number one. He's an enemy because he's the high-ranking soldier. He's a centurion of an occupying army. But you see, God wants Cornelius to be saved. And God comes to Peter and says, Peter is in Joppa. So interesting, isn't it, that this happened in Joppa. <laughs> that this reluctance all happened in Joppa. That, that in Joppa, this man was about to jump from the will of God. But in the same place of Joppa, God, again, is intention to reach everybody. God wants to reach this man, Cornelius, and sends and, and starts and gives, gives Peter a vision. And three times Peter says, not so, Lord, not so, Lord, not so, Lord. I've never touched anything common or unclean. But you know what? Finally, he got the message because the Holy Spirit said three times to him, you don't call common or unclean to what I have cleansed. And then it's so interesting that there in Acts chapter 10 and verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. Isn't that wonderful? He got the message. You know, even Peter turned into his assignment into an argument. But eventually he said yes and he went. And that's, that's a little bit of the story. Reluctant Jonah preached. Eventually, he aligned his life with God's purposes. 
So finally, the book of Jonah is really a book of second chances. Second chances for the sinners. Second chances for the people who are away from God. But also second chances for people who at one time in their life, they kind of backslid a little bit. But God says, hey, come back. Realign yourself with the purposes of God. He's a God of second chances. Now, just four thoughts for personal reflection before we leave this place today. Number one, don't turn your assignment into an argument. May we never be found fighting, resisting, objecting the will of God. There was a man, his name was Saul. He became Paul. But while Saul, he had an encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said to him, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. I want you to know something. It is hard for anyone to kick against the will of God. Because the will of God is sovereign. So don't turn your assignment into an argument. Secondly, don't be Jonah in Joppa. Don't be Jonah in Joppa. Make no investment in what can take you far from the presence of God. Don't invest in anything that would move you away from the presence of God. Number three, don't make your bed in the belly of the ship so that you don't end up in the belly of the fish. Amen? Can I say that again? Don't make your bed in the belly of the ship so that you don't end up in the belly of the fish. You know, the world needs the message we carry. The world needs the prayers that we pray. It is no surprise that the world will call upon their gods or no God at all. But I want you to know something that only our God can save. And we are the people that, we are the only people in the whole world that can stand before God and actually get something done on the planet. There are people that pray five times a day from other religions or you know what, but their prayers don't reach beyond the, the roof of their temple. But we are a people that we have been granted access beyond the veil into the throne room of God. If there's anyone that can make something happen in this world through prayer, is us, is the people of God. Hallelujah. So, number four, God uses circumstances when you have stopped listening to His voice. Hey, if, you, if your life has come to a point where God is, has had to start using some storms, some fish, some, something that was unexpected, some circumstances to speak to you, it's likely because you've stopped listening to His voice. So God, God had to use other voices, other means to communicate with the man, Jonah, who kept resisting His voice. Let us be quick to hear and quick to obey. Amen. Did you get anything out of this message? Are you, are you stirred up in your spirits?